You know, um, how many of you are old enough that you remember when Bill Clinton ran for president the first time? You're one of the things he said. He said, character doesn't matter. By the end of his second term, did anybody believe that? Character does matter. You know, um, as Jim mentioned, I, I was a seminary professor, and what I taught primarily was Christian ethics. And one of the things we focused on was character, what it means to have Christian character. There's two ways you learn Christian character. Number one, you, you learn it through stories. Do you realize that the Bible is over 60% in the form of narratives, stories? And it's as a result of following the protagonist, the main character, seeing how he handles himself in different situations, that you learn how to handle yourself in those situations. By reading the stories of David, reading the stories of Daniel, reading the stories of Abraham, and most importantly of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn Christian character. There's another way you, you learn Christian character. You also learn by watching an exemplar. Somebody who has virtues. Somebody who has Christian character. And over time you imitate them. Well, we're looking at Daniel. We're looking at Daniel chapter 5 today. I hope you brought your Bibles. Because one of the things that you find when you look at Daniel is you find somebody who exemplifies character, a Christian character. In fact, let's take a look at what Ezekiel has to say about him. If you will, turn with me to Ezekiel, chapter 14. And he says in verse 12, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, suppose a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it to cut off its supply of bread, to send famine through it, and to wipe out both man and animal, animal from it. Even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they would rescue only themselves by their righteousness. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Ezekiel was a contemporary of Daniel. And Daniel's character was known so far and wide that he compares him to Noah and to Job, great men of God. So when we take a look at our section of Scripture today, Daniel chapter 5, we, we find a kind of an interesting situation, because in chapter 4, we find Nebuchadnezzar, and let's read the last few verses here. Starting with verse 34, he says, But at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High, and honored and glorified him who lives forever. 
For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can block his hand or say to him, what have you done? At that time, my sanity returned to me, and my majesty and my splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out. I was reestablished over my kingdom, and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of the heavens, because of all his works are true, and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. You know, I'm convinced of this. When we get to heaven, one of the people that we're going to meet there is Nebuchadnezzar. Because he knows who the true God is. And he gave him worship and praise that he is deserving of. And it's interesting as you go from someone like Nebuchadnezzar, who, who is, is given as the exemplar of all kings, the, the, the best of all empires, you go from him to Belshazzar. With Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was one of the most important officials in Babylon. When you get to Belshazzar, well, they don't really even know who Daniel is. What happened here? Well, that's what we're going to take a look at. So let's read Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar had a great feast for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine in their presence. And under the influence of the wine, Belshazzar gave orders to bring in the gold and silver vessels that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, wise and concubines, could drink from them. So they brought in the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple and the house of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, wives and concubines, drank from them. And they, they drank the wine and praised their gods made of gold and silver and bronze and iron and stone. How do you go from Nebuchadnezzar praising the one true God to this guy who's going to profane items from God's temples and is going to worship gods made of stone and wood and stupid stuff like that. How does that happen? Of course, you look around today at our political scene and you wonder, with some of the things that are going on, what happened to this country? Somehow we forgot who is God. Somehow we forgot what's eternal. Somehow we forgot what's important. So now, you know, you have people telling you that um, homosexuality is okay, abortion is okay, um, telling us that the rule of law is unimportant. What we have is chaos. And if something isn't done, it's only going to get worse. Because unfortunately, 
too many of our politicians these days, they are lacking in character. And while they might, you know, bow in the general direction to God, they don't really worship him. So, Belshazzar here, you know, he just, he's partying. And here's the thing that's so stupid about the situation. In Babylon right now, while they're partying outside the city walls, you got an army that's laying siege to the city. Now, granted, the walls of Babylon were said to be so wide that you could drive eight chariots across, and maybe they thought that their walls were impregnable. And maybe they had a lot of food stored up so that they felt, well, you know, yeah, these guys are sieging our walls, but, you know, we'll we'll outlast these guys. But these guys were serious. And while they should have been seeking God... They were partying. Now, maybe Belshazzar is, maybe he's a little afraid and maybe he's trying to show everybody, well, you know, relax, you know, party, this, this, everything's under control. And then he gets really stupid and he gets himself liquored up. You know what I mean? This boy is lit, and he does what nobody else did before him. He decides, you know what, the show that we got this thing under control, we're just going to go, we're going to take those those items we got from the temple in Jerusalem, and we're going to drink from those things. Not a smart move. Then, they decide... Hey, let's, after we've drunk these things, let's start praising these other gods. Folks, our God is not mocked. He's got patience. He'll put up with a lot. But in the end, he's a consuming fire. You push him far enough, he pushes back much harder. Says here, verse 5, At that moment, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and began writing on the plaster of the king's palace wall next to the lampstand. And as the king watched the hand that was writing, his face turned pale. And his thoughts so terrified him that he soiled himself. Kind of hard to look cool while you're soiling yourself. And his knees knocked together. Real hard to look cool while your knees are knocking. The king shouted to bring in the mediums. Chaldeans and diviners. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this inscription and gives me its interpretation will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around his neck, and have the third highest position in the kingdom. 
So all the king's wise men came in, but none could read the inscription or make its interpretation known to them. Now look. When Nebuchadnezzar had his first dream, he says to all these guys, look, I'm not fooling around. I really need you to give me interpretation. So you need to tell me the dream first and then give me the interpretation. Could they do it? No, they couldn't. Who could? Daniel. Why could Daniel? It is because he trusted in the living God. Let's take a look at Daniel chapter 1. Let's look at verse 8. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. He's about 13 years old. And he makes his mind up right then, right there, who he's going to follow. He's not going to go with the rest of the crowd. He's going to follow the true God. Now, young people, there's a lesson here. The decisions you make today are going to influence the rest of your lives. And if you make your mind up to follow him today, His blessing will be with you, and he will take you to places you can't even imagine. Let's move a little further here. Verse, chapter 1, verse 17. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time, the king had said to present them. The chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend a king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So here's the thing. When Nebuchadnezzar has his first dream, God has empowered Daniel to interpret that dream. And one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar notes is that he has the Spirit of God in him. Well, folks, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, his Spirit should be in you. And here's a question we each need to ask ourselves. Do the people in your workplace, do they know that the spirit of the living God is in you? And if they don't, why don't they? 
Are you living for him? If you haven't been, start today. Now, let's go back to Daniel chapter 5. Verse 8. So all the king's wise men came in, but none could interpret the inscription or make its interpretation known to him. These guys are 0 for 3 now. Every time they've come up, they've failed. But there's somebody else who's got a much better batting record. Verse 10. Because of the outcry of the king and his nobles, the queen came to the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't let your thoughts terrify you or your face be pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has a spirit of the holy gods in him. In the days of your predecessor, he was found to have insight, intelligence, and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods. Your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners. Your own predecessor, the king, did this because Daniel, the one, the king named Belteshazzar, was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge and intelligence, and the ability to interpret dreams and explain riddles and solve problems. Therefore, summon Daniel, and he will give the interpretation. Once again, you have to wonder, what happened between the time of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar? Well, here's what history tells us. Nebuchadnezzar didn't really pay that much attention to his kids at the end. And I I suppose that's probably because they did not follow him in his belief of God. They still worship Marduk. In fact, a number of his descendants were named after Marduk. And so, basically, his line didn't last very long. And what happened was, you had this guy by the name of Nabonidus. Nabonidus came along around 560 and became king, and he and his son, Belshazzar, they conspired against the last king, who was a child, murdered him, and they took over. Now, one thing we know about Nabonidus is he worshipped the moon god, Sin. Appropriately named, I guess. And he led all Babylon in that direction. And he left Babylon to go do archaeology. And he left his son in charge, Belshazzar, who was sort of a regent or co-regent, until his dad came back. Well, there's a real question as to whether or not his dad ever really did come back. Yeah, he, he came back for a short period of time, but we don't really know what happened to him. But we do know this, that eventually the Persians 
The Medes, they wanted power. They came to the gates. And they were going to take over. Verse 13. Then Daniel was brought before the king. The king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the Judean exiles that my predecessor, the king, brought from Judah? Here's what he doesn't ask. Are you the guy who was put in charge of all the, the magi? Are you the guy who... My predecessor put in charge of everything. And by who, by the way, my, my dad also moved out of office. No, he wanted to kind of minimize his role by emphasizing that he was this exile. But then he goes on to say, I've heard that you have a spirit of the gods in you, and that insight, intelligence, and extraordinary wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men and the mediums who were brought before me to read this inscription to make its interpretation known to me, but they could not give its interpretation. However, I've heard about you that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Therefore, if you can read this inscription and give me its interpretation, you'll be clothed in purple, have a gold chain around your neck, and have the high, third highest position in the kingdom. Now folks, about this time, Daniel's about, he's pushing 80. He's been to the pinnacle, okay? He's been just below Nebuchadnezzar. He has had power, he's had influence, and even though kings changed, he stayed the same. His character did not change one little bit. He still served his God faithfully. And one of the things I think that he realized is this. That God has his purposes in our promotion. God also has his purposes in our demotion. But regardless of where he puts us, we need to be faithful. Amen? Regardless of the circumstances, we need to be true to him. Regardless of whether things are good, regardless of whether things are bad, we need to be praising him, giving glory and honor through our lives, not just with our lips, but with our lives. Verse 17. Then Daniel answered the king, You can keep your gifts and give your rewards to someone else. However, I'll read the inscription for the king and make the interpretation known to him. Now, you know, a lot you, you look at what Queen said when she approached the king. She says, O king, live forever. 
And, you know, I guess back in that day, you know, that was probably the smart thing to say, you know. Um, but Daniel was no sycophant. He was who he was. He realized that this guy was here today and he could be gone tomorrow, which is, in fact, the case. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts and give your rewards to someone else. However, I'll read the inscription for the king and make the inscription known to him. Your majesty... The Most High God gave sovereignty, greatness, glory, and majesty to your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar. Because of the greatness he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages were terrified and fearful of him. He killed anyone he wanted and kept alive anyone he wanted and exalted anyone he wanted and humbled anyone he wanted. But when his heart was exalted and his spirit became arrogant, he was deposed from his royal throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven away from people. His mind was like an animal. He lived with wild donkeys. He was fed grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with dew from the sky until he acknowledged the, that the Most High God is ruler over human kingdoms and sets anyone he wants over them. Let's get practical here for a moment. The boss you have. You think he's there by accident? Those who are under you, you think they're there by accident? We have a God who is in control of everything. Who has ordered every little thing in your life. And he gives you the opportunity every day to show what your character is. Is your character true to him? So, it's interesting what he says next. Verse 22. But you, his successor, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Even though you knew all this, instead, you have exalted yourself against the Lord of the heavens. The vessels from his house were brought to you, and you and your nobles, wives, and concubines drank from them, and you praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which do not see or hear or understand. But you have not glorified the God who holds your life breath in his hand and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, he sent the hand, and this writing was inscribed. Let's take a look at the verse 23 again. But you have not glorified God who holds your life breath in his hands and who controls the whole course of your life. If you belong to him, nothing that happens to you is an accident. If you belong to him, every day is a day 
where you can glorify his holy name. Where you can be his example. Where you can reflect his nature. Where you can reflect his glory. The question is, folks, are you going to do that? Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to remember that he's working everything, and I do mean everything, for your good? Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. Let's take a look at verse 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The idea is this. He's using everything in your life, every great thing, every small thing, to conform you to his image. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, Craig Mitchell's got some rough edges on him. And those things have to be knocked off. And he controls everything in your life to conform you to his image. He controls everything in your life for your good. But if you don't know him, he controls every aspect of those who don't know him either. Proverbs 16, verse 4 says, There's a purpose for everything, including the wicked man for the day of evil. God is in control. But you have not glorified the God who, can, who holds your life breath in his hands and who controls the whole course of your life. Therefore, he sent the hand, and this writing was inscribed. This is a writing that was inscribed. Many, many, tikul ufarsin. And the interpretation of the message is, many means that God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tickle means you've been weighed on the balance and found deficient. Paris meaning your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Well, that was a promise I'm sure he did not want to claim. But regardless, it was coming to pass. Then Belshazzar gave an order, and they clothed Daniel in purple, 
placed a gold chain around his neck, issued a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom at the age of 62. Now, one of the things you, you find when you look throughout history is, Daniel, after Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's actual son, Evil Merodach, came and he ruled for just a few years. And then after him, his, his son, Nergal Sarezer, he ruled for just a few years. His son reigned for just one year. Then Nabonidus came along and, and, and ruled for, well, ruled for about seven years. Daniel outlasted them all. Here's something. Let's take a quick look into chapter 6. Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, station them throughout the realm, and over them and over them three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that they so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished him himself above the administrators and the satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. Folks, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you've got. If you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. Because he can promote you. He can take care of you the way that no one else can. And if you don't have him, oh, he might raise you up. But he can bring you down that fast. You and I, we need to cling fast to his word. We need to give him worship and the praise that he's worthy of. We need to glorify him in every aspect of our lives. We need to love him with our whole hearts, our whole minds, so that people... When they see us, they know that his spirit is within us. Now, folks, if you don't have Jesus Christ today, his spirit is not in you. If you don't have Jesus Christ today, there's no hope. If you don't have Jesus Christ today, well, you're living a precarious experience. Because just like Belshazzar, you could be here today and gone tomorrow. So if you don't know him, the time come to him the time for salvation is now 
if you do know him and you haven't been living a life that glorifies his holy name, it's time for you to start today. Amen?